This episode of Toes on the Line is brought to you by Thorn. Thorn has the most extensive line of NSF certified for sport products. To receive 20% off any Thorn product, simply go to my website, coachgeograssi.com, and become a subscriber. To the Toes on the Line podcast. I'm your host, Gio Grassi, and today I'm bringing the fellow Hawk, Tim Ream, from Monmouth University. I'm going straight Jersey with the first two episodes of season three, man. We're just keeping it rolling that way. I might just bring another Monmouth Hawk guy on after you, Tim. Um, thanks for getting on. About time I got you on. And um, if you can, man, give a little background about yourself, where you've been, what you've done. Uh, former track guy, you are a Jersey guy, which helps out a lot. Um, so go ahead, man. Yeah. Just take the reins, brother. No doubt. And I appreciate you having me on here, man. You do a great job with this stuff. And, um, you know, I think it's awesome to be able to put this stuff in, in you know, in podcast form and, and have people, you know, log in and, and hear about the way different people do things. But, um, yeah, like my background, uh, maybe a little different than the way some people kind of came up in the ranks. But I graduated Springfield College in 2008. Uh, got that Springfield College strength army out there. You go to any conference, man, you see them running around. Um, but, it's like fraternity. Uh, yeah, it really is, you know, <laughs> but um, but I'm definitely proud of that. And I had a, a tremendous experience there. Uh, you know, while I was there, did internships with, with UMass and with Holy Cross. So that kind of got me going. And then my final internship, I was actually fortunate enough to do with Jerry Palmieri and the New York Giants, um, which, you know, we certainly share that bond of love for the Giants and experience working with the Giants. So yep. uh, did that both in 2007 and 2008. Uh, and, you know, Jerry Palmieri, he's, he's been my mentor from day one, you know, both just as a person and as a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, a lot of what I do uh, basically started from experiences I had with Jerry, as well as Marcus Paul, um, who I had a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, time to work with him and learned a lot from both him and Jerry. So very grateful for that. Uh, it was very fortunate enough that, you know, a lot of people then go the GA route or interning, like further internships. I was actually very fortunate enough to to get a job as an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Monmouth University uh, here in New Jersey uh, in August of 2008. And it was really just me and, and one other guy. And we worked with all the teams that we had. And I was also fortunate enough to work with football as the head guy from day one. So even though I was an assistant, the head guy kind of worked with the basketballs and I worked with football. So that's where I was able to you know, start my work with Coach Callahan, who's been the only football coach that Monmouth University's ever had. Uh, and he's been a tremendous person for me in my life, as well as just, you know, a coach who does everything the right, right way, you know, from an ethics and moral standpoint, but also, you know, has the, you know, has the track record of, of wins and losses and championships at in, you know, multiple leagues, Northeast Conference, Big South. And, you know, now as we walk, you know, go into the CAA with a full head of steam. So, you know, he's been great. Um, I was at Monmouth. That was my first time at Monmouth. I worked there until uh, 2015, in which then I, I jumped over to Fordham University, worked there for three years, made some great connects there, um, as well as uh, our head coach at the time for my first year was Coach Joe Moorhead, and uh, was able to use that, um, basically that that friendship and, and that, you know, uh, you know, relationship that we developed to to get a job down at Mississippi State, where I worked for just one year uh, in 2018, and uh, worked under Coach Anthony Paroli, who's now uh, the head strength and conditioning coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and had one year there, 
and then you know just kind of decided that you know it was i would say it was uh it was motivated by real two, two real things number one just trying to get out of the deep south and come back to my home uh, of you know the northeast where mm-hmm. you know there just happened to be a job open at monmouth university again so i came back here uh certainly wasn't in the same role like this school had changed a lot the department had changed facilities had changed so that um you know as well as just coming back to this level going from fbs to fcs where i just felt like i had a little bit more influence on the student athletes here like i felt like i just kind of we just kind of jived a little bit more uh you know maybe it's regional you know and it's me being Mm -hmm. a jersey guy dealing with people who are from the northeast Um, so that was important and then also just wanting to work with some other sports you know like football was great down in mississippi state and it was cool to be able to just see how you can just focus on one sport and all the different things that work into you know building the student athletes up at that level but that being said it was kind of cool to be able to come back to New Jersey and Monmouth University where I could also work with, you know, men's soccer, field hockey, uh, track and field. You know, those are some of the teams that I work with now. So it just kind of uh, changed things up a little bit and I'm really appreciative. And that just kind of takes me back to my current role where, you know, now since 2019, I've been the director of strength and conditioning here at Monmouth, uh, you know, working with yourself and uh, Bree Rubino and Mike Deers and uh, Sarah Hennig, you know, we got a nice staff and, uh, you know, our coaches trust us to uh, to do what they have to do to get the most out of their student athletes. Yeah, and, and I want to touch base on Coach Callahan real quick because I remember when I first got here, um, when you brought me on board and you know I was using the polars and stuff, and I was like, hey, is he receptive to this thing? And you you told me straight up, hey, he's he's been doing it for a long time and he's all all, all about change, which I thought was pretty cool because most coaches we can agree just kind of stay stuck in their I've done it this way mentality. You know what I'm saying? Um, so how, how have you seen like Coach Cal evolve over the years with um, how he makes decisions with his team, his players, and and just throughout the course of a football season. Yeah, I think one of the great things about Coach Callahan, and probably something that's just a like helped him be so successful, <clears throat> is you know his just willingness to be open to new ideas and new ways of doing things. You know, the way we mm-hmm. we run our program now in strength and conditioning is very different than the way we started back in two thousand eight. Um, you know, and I'm sure the way he runs his football program is very different than the way he ran it back in nineteen ninety three. You know, mm-hmm. it, rather than just saying like, yeah, Coach Cal's been here for 30 years, but I wouldn't in the least consider him like an old school football coach because he's not just like set in his ways. Hey, this is how we've always done things. He he understands that he needs to surround himself with people who might bring some new ideas in and he's open to it. Is he always going to say yes? You know, no. But, you know, I think he trusts the people who are you know, the experts in their different fields to come in and say, listen, this is going to help our football team. This is going to help our individual student athletes. We have a ton of conversations, probably speak at least once every single day about Mm -hmm. any kind of topic. And, um, you know, I'll bring things to him. And, and, you know, that's one thing I could always say is I truly feel like he's always given every, everything that we brought to him, like a chance, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative of that. Okay, because I said it to say this. It's a funny story. So I interviewed for <laughs> interviewed for a job at um, FIU years ago, and Butch Davis was the head coach. I don't know if he still is. No, it's just funny though. Um, so Butch Davis, I, I think he was the defensive coordinator when Dallas won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> in the interview process, Tim he goes up to me. He's like, um, he's like, hey, if I wanted if I wanted you to implement racquetball um, as a quote unquote speed conditioning session with the football players or defensive line. Um, what would you be willing to have our guys play racquetball? And my response to him was, 
probably not because I don't want no one to get hurt playing, <laughs> doing something that they're probably not used to doing. <laughs> and then he counters me and goes, what if I told you in 1994 we did that with the defense line at Dallas and that helped us win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Tim, in the back of my head, I was like, no fucking shot racquetball won you the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm pretty it was sure. definitely the racquetball. It probably was. I got to go back and watch that film, but um it's like so i say that to say this like stuff like that like being stuck in like hey we've done it like this before um and we're gonna try to continue to do it but coach cal being the guy that's very open and receptive and i think that's pretty cool for two reasons one a guy that's been coaching for a very long time and two a guy that started a program and continued to i guess evolve a program versus someone who you know might have a role continue and then they're just stuck in that that mindset of just being closed-minded with playing racquetball from 93 to 2023 you know what i'm saying um, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, the, the last thing you could, you could, the last thing you could accuse him of being is closed-minded. You know, so that yeah. certainly helps us. And and you know, I mean, from day one, from you got here, he's a guy who you can go into his office any time of day. You know, it's it's very much an open door policy. You walk in there, and you know, you can talk to him. So, I mean, yeah. I think that's great. And our and I know our players appreciate that too. So, oh yeah, and 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 I, I didn't want to knock Coach Butch Davis because he's a very successful football coach. But that's just. To everyone, listen, that's just an example I wanted to give, and it's a pretty funny story, too. So maybe, maybe go out and play racquetball with your D-line. You might win a conference title or something like that. But um, it Was that the reason you didn't get the job at FIU? Was uh, Might have been. Uh, might have <laughs> So for all you young strength coaches out there watching this, you know, if a coach asks you to implement racquetball, just say yes, and then uh, maybe change it a couple just months say, in. Just, just agree <laughs> with the head coach, man, and then do what they want. I'm, I'm kidding. But um, so I wanted to dig into the meat and potatoes because I've been – I've been um, what's it called marketing it i've been broadcasting it i sell it i sold it i want to uh, I, I like to say we put our stamp on the country that we are the fastest fcs team in the nation i want to say team but we can probably say that there's some fbs teams that are high flyers um that are probably a little more faster than us but uh needless to say tim i i wanted to bring you on here to talk more about um your approach to you know your philosophy with the, with the football guys this whole past off season summer training strength the speed the dynamic strength stuff because everyone does it differently there's coaches out there that just stick with the strength the heavy weight lifting throughout the year versus i've been with you for this is my first off season previously is going into my second and the way you've done it has been completely different i mean you mix in a lot of dynamic work speed work strength heavy day work and it's like super undulated because it's it's it varies for example like when i when i program for my baseball team we're probably doing the same thing for four straight weeks versus what i see what you do with football it's like hey we might do something for two weeks and then for another two weeks, we're doing band stuff, we're doing chain stuff, and then we'll go back to some heavy strength stuff. So if you just want to spend time talking about um, like your thought process behind developing like an explosive athlete and the nature of yeah. football. Yeah, so I would say like the, one of the great things about football is that the athlete that you have to produce does vary so much in like the needs of the sport. And, you know, and I always say to any person who's starting out working with a sport, it's like just observe the sport you know, uh, see what the movements are, try to understand what the energy systems are. And the thing with football is that there are so many different movements. It certainly varies a lot position to position. And then the energy standpoint, like that varies as well too. You know, like a lot of people mm -hmm. think of football as a speed and explosive driven sport, but then you could also make the case that the aerobic system is the most important energy system for a football player, you know? So right. there's just so many different buckets that you have to constantly fill with a football player and then, you know, even further down the line, you talk about like residuals and and understanding how often you have to pour a little bit into each of the buckets before that bucket starts to run dry. But, mm -hmm. you know, without overcomplicating it too much, um, you know, like as we work into our offseason program, 
we're going to, you know, set a solid aerobic base because, you know, I think everything feeds off of that. And, um, you know, we'll, we're going to start out next week and, and get some, you know, some tempo runs in and, and things like that. And certainly it was sport where there's so much, you know, uh, repeated uh, sprints, you're going to need to have that aerobic base as well. But, you know, we certainly hang our hat on our speed development here. I mean, personally, I played both football and ran track as a sprinter. So, you know, I, I saw what it did for my game and I just see what it does for every position. I don't care what position on the football field you have. If you run fast and if you're, if you're faster than the opposition, that's going to give you a significant advantage, you know, and Mm -hmm. I don't think it's just for let's work on our speed as we get closer to spring ball or as we get closer to the fall season. Like I think it's important to sprint year round, um, you know, just to have the speed and also from an injury standpoint, you know, talking some specific as hamstrings, you know, you sprint and you expose the tissue to to rapid velocities. It's going to build a more robust muscle, and and you're I think you're more uh, you know less likely to you know to pull a hamstring or have soft tissue injuries. You know, and I think mm-hmm. you know our data has shown that. You know, I mean we're we're very data driven. I mean you do an outstanding job of of staying on top of all the data, and we're open to you know what it tells us to do. And I think what it does continue to tell us to do is place a large focus on sprinting year round, you know, and like I said, we're going to, we're going to start out, we're going to build that aerobic base, but I would say that by week three or four into our, into our program, we are going to start, you know, working on some starts, you know, 10 yard starts, 15 yards where it's, you know, max acceleration and and working on our form as far as that goes, you know, and that certainly carries over, you know, having that, the speed development in the weight room, you know, and, and we, mm-hmm. uh, we've partnered up with gym aware, having the flexes on there. And we're going to certainly use that with, you know, our squats and our bench having a dynamic effort day where, you know, certainly max strength is important, but we also uh, do a ton of dynamic effort with the chains and the bands and things like that. Um, you know, cause I just think it helps build a more, you know, robust athlete and, um, you know, a versatile athlete and, you know, both performance and injury prevention. I think it's huge with that. No, that definitely is, and and I I love the approach that you took this past summer, especially adding like the light pogo hops in uh in the warm up and stuff like that. Um, I actually just did like a solo podcast episode, um, and one of my emphasis at the end was about uh just having the warm up, and I think one of the key things that you did this past year was implement two new things into the warm up. One of them being the isometric bridge hold, an exercise like that pays its dividends over time, especially like an isometric hamstring hold, which you read a lot about with isometric training and what it does for, you know, tendon health and ligament, um, muscle health over time, especially with higher speeds. I thought one, that was key. And two, just having those single leg pogos, our guys hated them hopping 20 yards with, with them. But I thought those were two, especially good. the linemen. They hated them too. Oh yeah. They 300 plus pound them. on one leg. Shoot. I mean, they're going to hate them this year too. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, and they'll love us at the end when like two things, one, we haven't had a calf or hamstring injury over time. And, and two, we've been able to run fast throughout the course of the season, which I don't want to say a lot of teams don't see, but teams who don't have that that data can't identify. But we were able to identify it, and I, and I can sit back and say you did a great job with changing the warm up with, with those two things, and it's just continuing to train guys in that dynamic um, effort phase. Because I remember when we got Mario in as an intern, uh, we were doing a lot of dynamic effort stuff, and Mario was like, "Man, these guys aren't strong." I said, "Mario, we're not even training for strength, man. These guys are strong as hell." And then we're running outside, and Mario's like, "These guys are pretty damn fast." I'm like, "Dude, we're like 22." Some guys 21 miles per hour, but yeah, speed wins the game, man. You know, and I, I think with your track background and where you've been and people you learned under, I, I think, you know, I, I can gladly say we were probably the fastest, most resilient team in the nation this past year. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, hey, the, the data says it, you know, so I mean, you know, it's not just a matter of saying it, it's it's having the data to back it up. So, you know, not only did we appear on film and, and with our own eyes to on defense, we, we ran people down, uh, you know, all season long. And on offense, we had a lot of guys who, you know, they certainly it's not like they came in and they were they were super slow, but um you know, we continue to develop our guys. And on offense, we ran away from a lot of people this year, you know, at a lot of different positions, you know, everywhere from running back, wide receiver. Um, and, and like as I mentioned, that de- defense, just running people down, I think that's important. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and certainly at different positions, you know, it's important to be strong. But, you know, you have your skill guys, positions like wide receiver, like s- speed is super important, you know, and, and ability to change direction. So, you know, different positions are going to have different KPIs and, you know, we can talk about that for a long time. We literally just talked about it yesterday, you and I, about just identifying things that we can train that are going to help specifically that person, you know, mm-hmm. in, in their position. You know, O-line, D-line, that's going to be a little different. But that being said, we're going to train speed with them as well. Right, definitely, because you got to come off the ball quick. You know, D-line, no you got to watch that ball come off when it's snapped. O-line, you got to move once the ball snaps. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. And, and from the closest to the football to the guy the furthest away, but – um, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit because I, you know, I'm I'm with you in the office. Um, I see what you put up on the whiteboard. You know, it's like a huge roadmap to success. And if you just want to touch base on, like, your thought process and what goes into, you know, developing that summertime speed program with the guys, speed yeah, so and agility. Just, yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, like I said, we're, we're going to start out with more of an aerobic base, but we do try to get into that by, you know, the beginning of February with more speed development and. A lot of it is just, you know, starting out with, with short distances. But, I mean, the number one rule that we always say, you got to run fast, right? Like people mm-hmm. and coaches get it all twisted saying, hey, we, we got to be faster, but then not allowing an athlete or a coach to implement true speed work, you know? So I think right. there's two things that are super important. Is number one, you have to make sure that they have that maximal intent to run as fast as they can whenever you're doing your speed work. And you have to allow them, number two, to be fully recovered, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that like a lot of coaches and especially young coaches will struggle with this where, you know, coaches will tell them, Hey, I, I need my team to be faster. And then they're like, Oh, there's too much standing around. You know, there's, there's too much standing. It's like, no, you got to allow them to recover. You know, and right. one of the things that I always like to do is just say for every 10 yards that we sprint, we're going to rest one full minute. Right. So if you're doing 15 yards, you're resting a minute and a half, 20 yard sprint, two minute rest. You know, that's, that's just, kind of been a uh you know a pretty solid rule that we followed and um i think it helps with the with the uh decrease in amount of injuries you know because mm-hmm. i think if you're sprinting guys for a speed purpose and you're not allowing them to recover you know that's when you see um some more of the injuries tend to pop up but just our development um i, I think it helps a lot but you know it's a matter of you know we'll do a lot of linear speed to start and then we'll change it up. Like I know a lot of the strength world is around these like curve sprints and, and whatnot. Now, like we'll certainly implement that. Uh, we implement a lot of, uh, you know, resisted sprints in our program. So, you know, not a lot of heavy weight, but we'll do the, you know, the tens or tens and fives or maybe 20 pounds of resistance for a, for a speed sled day. Um, we'll have days where we're doing, you know, like for the big guys, they'll do prowler pushes and they'll maybe push resisted for 10 yards and then they do a release. You know, we just try to try to develop speed, but also uh, have it be similar to the types of demands that they're going to have placed on them out on the field. You know, mm-hmm. so so that's really I mean, I, I try not to overcomplicate it. It's like 
you know, expose them to some different forms. We'll do a little bit of overspeed with bungees like late in the summer. We don't do a ton of overspeed, but I would say, uh, you know, just, just having these guys go out and just get real quality work where they're running as fast as they can and, and allowing them to recover from it. So. Yeah. I think we've also done a good job like post camp because camp is just like, let the guys practice, let them, <laughs> let them recover. Like once the season started, I think we did a good job of just allowing coaches to have us, you know, yourself run these guys, you know, during a practice where we're like, Hey, we're not hitting these speeds. Let's get them going uh, in practice. So I, th- that, I think that also helped in, you know, mitigating as much hamstring injury as possible. Um, we had guys that, yeah. you know, pulled hammies in the summertime. You know, it happens. You know, we had starters pull hammies in the summertime and they come back full go and they haven't pulled anything again. So I just want to make that clear that everyone, hey, we didn't have a full calendar year with no injuries. We had some, but our guys bounced back and they've just been resilient since. Yeah, and I think we would we would definitely choose, like, let's definitely risk exposing them to too much in, in an offseason right. or a preseason program versus – be too scared to run guys fast. And then all of a sudden camp and the season comes along and people are popping hamstrings left and right, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow early on. Like I'm sure in these next couple of weeks, we'll deal with some people who just haven't run, haven't trained as much as they should. And we're going to, you know, we're going to kind of see some of that stuff pop up. But then as we, as we train them further and we build a more robust athlete like that, the likelihood of that happening is going to be significantly less, you know, but you even talk about the season, like you certainly do a great job of staying on the numbers, letting me know, Hey, this guy hasn't hit 90, 95% of his max speed in over a week. You know, we need to make sure we get on this guy during practice, before practice, whatever it is, so that, you know, we're able to feed that. I mean, we know that Mm -hmm. speed is the first thing that you lose when it comes to like, residuals right like you keep right. your aerobic strength for i think it's like 30 plus days or whatever but mm-hmm. that speed if you don't touch on that 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 speed within a week you're going to start to get slower right and you leave yourself open to, to to get hurt right so our coaches once again going back to coach cal and how willing he is to listen to us like we get out there and we'll you know we'll have a period period four where we can go take the offensive line and do some speed work with them or DBs, me and you are running around all over the field, just making sure they get that exposure to high speed. And then, like I said, we've seen that the injury injuries have gone way down. So that's certainly, Mm -hmm. is it the number one thing? No, but there's the, you know, the way we train our guys in the weight room, the way we tell them to recover and also implementing that speed during practice, I think all of that comes together to decrease the likelihood of injury. Yeah. And I I would say the, the, one of the great things you've done, you said the word earlier, you haven't been scared to allow guys to open up and run at full speed where a lot of places they don't want them to, uh, for that simple fact, like, Hey, we might pull a hamstring. We don't want, but we've done curveling your sprints up to what, from the goal line to the 50, I'd say it's so like a 50 yard mm-hmm. open run, um, flying twenties where guys would maybe build for 10, maybe build for 20 and then hit it for 20. So, and some of our guys go like beyond 60 yards with that, just to try to hit a top speed and beat out a guy. But yeah, we haven't had shoot. I, I'd say we haven't had much fear or you haven't had much fear in just exposing guys into distance with great speeds, which you wouldn't really hear about that around the country. Unless it's a track program. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like most yeah, guys. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll say maybe I might be, I internalized it and I'm a little nervous on the inside, but, <laughs> but you know, you, you got to, you got to expose them in a training setting because I mean, shoot, we had, we had running back like Owen Wright took, took a ball 99 yards to the house this year. Right. You, yeah. you have guys who could return a kickoff return or, you know, wide receivers, Jaden Sheridan with any number of his long runs, right? Like mm-hmm. you better expose them in a, in a more controlled environment to these right. speeds because on Saturday, 
they might find themselves with a whole lot of green in front of them and they, and they got to go, you know? So they're not yeah. going to be like, ah, I'm only going to take this 50. because Tim never ran me more than 50 yards. Like they're going to the house. So, right. you know, that's something that we have to certainly expose them to. Yeah. Especially uh, with a guy like Owen Wright, what was he like? 220, 215. Yeah. 99 yeah. yards. You watch the tape, man. That guy just separated, but then we had two guys catch up to him. So it's like, shoot, <laughs> you know, his own guys, not the defensive guys. Yeah. yeah his own guys, <laughs> quarterback and receiver, which is pretty, pretty funny. But um, it, was, it was great to see that because before that one, everyone was like, oh, Owen Wright, he's just a goal line back or whatever. And then he took one 99 yards to the house. And it's like, uh, don't call him a goal line back no more. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I also say um, some of the tempo running that you do or uh, that you have installed for the summertime, um, Kind of like what's like your thought process behind that? Because it's something I'm I'm new used uh, I'm new to uh, being exposed to tempo running of that great distance. Like we'll go hundreds, we'll go eighties with the guys. Um, like what's your thought process behind that? Or like where have you done that before? Because um, yeah, most mean, of the, most of the say, stuff I've seen and done is mostly like thirty to fifty yards. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would say we um we did a good amount of that down at mississippi state where we would do a lot of tempos with the guys and mm -hmm. you know a lot of it was just focused on like hey have these guys run like 70 75 percent um you know like they should almost be able to i mean i don't really want them to but they should be able to have like a conversation at the end of a run and and not just be too gassed and really what it goes down to is just trying to build up like that aerobic base um, rather mm -hmm. than saying hey to build up an aerobic base we're just going to send these guys out on a three mile run like we don't we don't do it that way, but I strongly believe that, you know, starting out with maybe 12 tempo runs in a session where, you know, our skill guys are running anywhere from like 80 to hundred or even 110 big skills, maybe somewhere, you know, 60 to 80 big, somewhere like 40, 50, um, you know, you'll do like uh, any number of them, 75% effort, 45 to 55 seconds of rest in between each rep. I just, you know, I, I think that really helps us once again, establish a real solid aerobic base mm -hmm. from which we can develop everything else, you know? And I think I like doing them early in the week. You know, some people like to come in and have talked about doing like speed work on day one with like, you know, like a high, low intensity model or something like that. I love doing tempo runs on a Monday because, you know, some of these college age dudes, they're getting, you know, to whatever over the weekend, not putting the right kind of stuff in their bodies. Maybe the sleep isn't great. So I think it's a great way to just, you know, kind of activate the bodies and almost serve to uh, activate them for a better speed day on say a Tuesday, you know? So okay. we'll get a, we'll get a lift in, we'll go out, we'll do some tempo runs. And then I think that helps us have a more efficient speed day on say a Tuesday or a Wednesday you know, having just woken the bodies up a little bit more and almost like a flush of the system uh, to do that. But, you know, like I said, aerobic is very important. So I'm not going to just say it's speed, 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 because a solid aerobic base is going to unlock um, more potential for speed as you develop it down the road. So. Okay. What, um, so you mentioned Mississippi state, like what, are, now I'm, I'm always curious. And I'm always asking you questions in the office, but like, what are some like differences you see from like those guys at that level, SEC, FBS versus what you see at our level, FCS, um, with like just just like performance in general, like high speed performance. Yeah, I mean it was it was pretty impressive. I mean we had like the year I was there, we had three guys I think that were first round draft picks, and mm -hmm. like one of them was like Montez Sweat, who's a defensive end for for the Washington Commanders now, and he was like two hundred and sixty pounds, and the dude ran like a deer. I mean he ran, I think he was like a four. 
it was like a four, 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 five, 40 yard dash where I was used to seeing DBs and wide receivers run this speed, like more from an FCS level. And then you mm-hmm. see someone like him who was able to run the way he was able to being as big and as a, like effective on a football field as he was like, and I realized like, that's the difference between a guy who's going to be an elite SEC player and a first round draft pick. Like that's the kind of like creature that you know you got <laughs> at a level like that. And then you just imagine what a guy like that can do on a football field, you know? So right. that was pretty cool to see. Where's where's he from? What part of the country? But um yeah, I mean you you definitely uh I, I don't think he's from the deep south because I want to say Okay. I want to maybe Georgia. Actually, you know what? I think he, he might have been Georgia, but I know that he originally started out at Michigan State and then he transferred. I think he was Michigan State as a tight end. And oh, then wow. I want to say he transferred to Mississippi State. So he had that like kind of big skill background and okay. being able to do some pretty athletic things on a football field. But I don't know if he made the switch to D end at, at Michigan State or he made it when he went to Mississippi State. But when I when I was there with him just that one year, he was he was a defensive end and he was pretty well regarded around the country. So. Okay, I would yeah. I would say for me like the biggest thing. I remember when I was at uh, with the, with the Giants in 2017, and I went to Fordham in 2018. I'm looking at some guys who are linebackers on Fordham, and I'm thinking they're playing safety, but they're not. Just, that's just like the body type difference. I'm, I'm used to seeing Landon Collins, you know, what I'm saying like a 225, 230 yeah. pound safety, and I get to Fordham, and there's a kid, Glenn, Glenn Cunningham. My first conversation with him was, I said, "What are you, strong safety?" Or he's like, "I'm a linebacker, dude." I'm like, "What? <laughs> like 210, bro? Like what? Uh, great kid, great athlete, but that's just like the huge difference is that." Is sometimes go unnoticed between FCS and like those higher levels of sport because we had uh, who's our linebackers at the time on the Giants? Uh, Devin Kennard, DK. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. he, I he's like Michigan State guy. I think he was, but he was like two fifty five, two fifty, like like a Montez Sweat, like a big body, you know. Um, oh yeah. So I was just like blown away with like just the differences. But then you have a guy like Jack Rabbit, who's a pretty slender guy, long ass shin, so he can cover hella ground when he sprints. So. Um, Who's you were on the Giants with? Uh, was Derek Ward there with that three-headed monster? Or just Jacob Sabrina? Yeah, I mean, you had no, you had you had all three of those guys. So, I mean, that's the person I go back to is Jacobs. I mean, okay. I remember they were telling him constantly, like, "Hey, man, you got to stay below this amount of weight, or else you're going to get like fined or whatever." Um, which would be pretty funny because as an intern, I'd be the guy who would be doing the weigh-ins, and he might come <laughs> in heavy one day. He's like, "Hey, what are you writing down on that piece of paper?" But I mean. He flew. I mean, Brandon Jacobs, he he flew for a big guy, you know, uh-huh. like he was 250, 260 pounds at running back. And he was also a dude who was able to run away from people. You watch some of his runs and for a guy that size. But yeah, I mean, Derek Ward, he was a thick dude. I mean, you had Ahmad Bradshaw. That was his freshman year. Bradshaw was probably a little bit more what you would think of with this, the size and stature of a running back. But okay. You know, you, you got to think about dudes at that level having a little bit of thickness on them to to be able to withstand the wear and tear of the NFL game. Um, but it's incredible when you look at that, whether it's the SEC level where I was at with Mississippi State or the time that we spent with the with the Giants in the NFL. I mean, just the size of people and the velocities and the power that they're able to move with. It's incredible. You know, it's mm-hmm. just fun to watch. What are, what are some things? I never worked with Paul Mary. I worked with uh, Aaron Wellman, but Paul Mary, I think, was doing operations when I got there. Um, what are, what are some things like he's like from 2007, like being that that's almost shoot. How many years ago was that 15 or something like that? I think. Yeah. It's getting, so, it's getting long. Yeah. 15 so, now. So yeah. far removed. Yeah. Um, like how far has like speed trading with like a football player come from then to now? Like what are some things like him and Marcus Paul yeah. used to do? I mean, there were a lot of, they were, they were 
I mean, even though Coach Palmieri had been around coaching for a while, you know, he had been in the college ranks for a while at like Kansas State, Boston College, and he had been in the league for a while when I got there. Um, he was still very much up on, on, on speed training and, you know, different methods of doing that. Like I know, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we do, we were still doing back with the giants, you know, whether it was, okay. you know, towing or, uh, you know, he, he had like the big guys to use those big wooden, um, loaded, they weren't prowlers, but they were like these wooden, uh, sleds that you would just stack the 45s on. So just, you know, I guess kind of like a, an earlier version of a prowler. Um, but yeah, no, we were doing that. We, we would do some overspeed. He had some different types of, uh, uh, overspeed devices that we would use. And then, okay. um, you know, things like that. And then in the weight room, I mean, we use more like the current VB, like VBT with gym aware or whatever he would use tendo units. So we would do like a speed bench day at the end of the week. We did, uh, speed squats okay. and things like that. So, That's correct. I, mean, I didn't know, I didn't know those were, that. yeah, I didn't know those were popular back in it in 2007 the VBT units and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like the, the Tendos, like the, the thing that we have versus the Tendos is like the Tendos go and you just see what it says, but it doesn't dump into a database. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah, have, you, got, you gotta write it down. And now we have like them hooked up with the, uh, with the coach me plus. So that automatically, you know, we have the API that dumps it right in there, which is awesome. But yeah, otherwise it was a matter of just looking at it and writing it down. So but, okay. but they they did a lot of, of speed work in the weight room with with velocity based training. So who was their uh, go to guy? No, I mean I would say uh, you know at that point in time he did follow a little bit of what Brian Mann was doing. I, I mean I'm sure a coach used you know some of the Louis Simmons stuff and Brian Mann, but you know a lot of it was also just like you know he would implement it, see what the results were, and then from there kind of decide if if it was something worth keeping or not. So like in 2007, I was in college. Like we, I didn't hear about like velocity based training units. Um, I don't know about tendos, you know, we didn't do any overspeed stuff. We did a little bit of resisted sprinting, but we didn't really do any of that stuff. You know, that you were doing with the giants. So to me, that sounds like, you know, you guys were like way advanced, way ahead of the curve at that point in time. Um, which is pretty damn cool. Uh, when, when you were a track at, you ran track in college or, or just, just high school. Yeah. You did. Okay. Were yeah. You guys so I, I, I did it. Um, I did like two years of football in, in college and four years of track and field. So, Okay. Were you guys that's, exposed that's to that in training too or no? We did a little overspeed work. Um, and yeah, we did, we did resisted sprints. Like we would take sleds out to the track and stuff. I was a little bit more like 200, 400, but I know that, um, you know, it was still very much a part of what we did. Uh, you know, just different ways to develop it rather than just running different distances around the track. You know, we would do, we would do a lot of the hill sprints. Like that was a big thing for us, which, probably one of the toughest things that we work with here at mammoth is it's so flat since we're so close to the ocean yeah um it's hard to find a, a, a hill around here so we have to do a lot of our resisted sprints with with sleds whereas other people can go out and, and run the hill um mississippi state we actually had a hill built on the side of the weight room because it's really flat there but that was pretty cool we had like a turf hill that was just down the side to to get that exposure so okay what do you, do you think like uh running stairs and stuff like that is, is- like pretty reciprocal to running hills or not really? Um, I think it's like maybe better than nothing, but the problem is sometimes you're so worried about just like landing your foot on the stair and, and, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, like just having that unhinged burst of a hundred percent speed. Sometimes I think you're being a little careful on a bleacher or a stair. So you, I don't know if you're really getting the same, the same amount, but you know, it's going to work that, that stride length that you're trying to, that you're trying to work on. So it's not bad. Okay. 
Well, Tim, as I kind of want to start wrapping things up, I was going to say, you know, before we leave, I kind of want to leave you with one question. If you weren't a strength coach and you can't say teacher, you can't say physical therapy, you can't say like the corny shit that people typically say on this damn show. I yeah, hate it. I'm um, not going to do that. Right. If you weren't a strength coach, what else would you be doing? Uh, I would say the two things that, that I would potentially be doing is number one, maybe like uh, sports journalism. Like I always liked writing okay. uh, early on. I remember starting in like sixth grade. I just enjoyed writing and um, that was something that I thought I was going to do for a while. And then, uh, marine biology was also something that I was always very interested in, which it's so cool working here at Monmouth, being close to the ocean. And, um, you know, ever since I was young, uh, I always liked marine biology and swimming with sharks and cage diving with great whites is like the number one thing on my bucket list. So, you Jesus. know, maybe I'll still be able to do that someday. Um, but, uh, yeah, those would be the two things. Yeah. Tim, Tim goes snorkeling in the summertime after speed training sessions. So I'm excited to, to see what, what, what the, uh, the year unfolds into, you know, hopefully we continue to run faster um, and just, you know, dominate the CAA man and then take this thing, go win a national championship, hopefully. <laughs> no doubt, man. Well, and as always, I appreciate very much everything that you bring to our program. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be able to do what I do with football and, you know, a lot of the other sports that you work with, the baseballs, the swimmings, you know, like you do a ton of, of work with them. And, you know, since you've gotten here, you've you've elevated our program across the board. So, you know, very appreciative for everything you do and, and you know, um, everything you bring to help elevate things to the next level around here. I appreciate that, man. Kind, kind words, man. You didn't have to say all that, but kind words, man. Appreciate it. But, um, Tim, listen, I appreciate you getting on here, man. We're going to have to touch base again at the end of the semester before the summer kicks off just to kind of dive into what we got going on for the summer, man. No doubt, man. Appreciate you having me on here.